When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. I'm Gabe Ibrahim and I'm about to bring on my guest, Joanna Burnaby McNamee, the head coach of the Boston College Eagles. In her fourth year, the Eagles are looking like they're putting together a special season as they try to reach the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2006. So I talked to her about what's going on with her team and what's happening in the rest of the conference, the ACC as well as talking about her coaching journey and just some random coaching stuff that I want to talk to her about. I really enjoyed my conversation with Coach Mack, and I think you will too. While you're here, though, please subscribe to us on however you're getting this podcast, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on a podcast app, or I don't know. I think those are the only two ways to get it. And make sure that you're following Her Hoop Stats on Twitter and subscribe to our newsletter, Her Hoop Stats. That's substack.com. Where we're covering women's basketball like no one else and unlocking better insights into this game. So without further ado, bring it on Coach Mac. Coach Mac, how's it going? You're coming to us from Boston on the eve of your big game against Georgia Tech. So how's it going? It's going good. We actually just got out of a coaches meeting trying to game prep for that game and it's nice to go into uh, or onto the road with some momentum, which I think we've kind of generated over the last couple games. Yeah, and that, this team has does have momentum, and they have, um, dare I say it, some swag to them. <laughs> I think this, te- this team kind of plays in a, in a very fun way, at least for me to, to watch as a fan. Um, but I kind of wanted to take it back to the beginning of this season because your first year at BC is a building year. Your second year at BC is this great breakout season. You win coach of the year. You guys are heading to the tournament, and obviously COVID throws a wrench into everything. And then last year's also COVID throws a wrench into everything. So how do you get this team to mentally prepare for this season? You know, I think the big thing, and I, I, I tell our team this all the time, what I love about coaching them, is that they really rely and work together and on each other. 
and they truly are a second family. And I think that that when you have people you love being around, it kind of gets you through any adversity that you face. And so even through the COVID times and having the, the summer uh, before last season where we didn't get to see each other and everything was very, in, everything was in an uproar from social injustice to, to COVID to everything. You know, I know our players really relied on each other to, to help each other through it. And even right now, like we've still had a couple cases where you see like we don't have our full bench because maybe mm -hmm. a player is missing here or there due to COVID protocol, you know, they know they have each other and they just really help each other along. And I think that that's what family does for each other. And sometimes hard in sports to have fam, like to make it seem like family because of the transfer portal and all these other things. But this team has really grasped onto the fact that, you know, we have each other. And so we lean on each other and it's always us versus everybody is kind of what we try to go with that kind of mantra a little bit. Is that something that you have to build as a coach that I guess getting buy-in is what we're talking about. Do you have to do that as a coach or does it mainly come from the players you have? It comes from the players you have. And then I think as a coach, you know, gone is the day when I maybe first got into coaching where players just loved and respected you because of maybe your title. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely not the case because these players are way smarter than that. You know, they're, they're armed and they're powered with so much, uh, just the world around them with social media and everything that goes on. Like I know when I played, you were coach. Okay. I listened to every, you mm -hmm. know, I, I really wanted to listen to you and respect you. Now I think you have to earn it a little bit more, which is the way it should be. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'd say these seniors have grown up with me. Like they were right. the seniors I had, like they came in as freshmen. So I believe that they really trust me because we've been together and I really trust them. And I was very lucky that second year to have a group of upperclassmen, three mm -hmm. seniors that, I don't know. We just clicked. And the first year, did they trust me? Yeah, they were getting to know me, but by the second year and then getting a title, like the ACC, me being coach of the year, I always think helps that trust a right. little bit. Like, okay, well maybe she knows a little bit of what she's talking <laughs> about. Her staff knows a little bit of what they're talking about. That helps. No. And I, I think it's, it is really evident watching this team that you guys do have that buy-in. Um, I think from just a strategy perspective, though, the thing that is most impressive about this team is the offense, uh, highest offensive rating at BC in a decade. So what's been the biggest difference for your offense this season? Uh, I think we have a, a lot of weapons. Right. So I, it also keeps the defense at bay when we play because I don't even know who's going to step up on a given night. Mm -hmm. It really, we have many weapons that can step up. And I think that this team is going to be really scary when everybody offensively clicks at the same time. I don't know that we've had that yet, but we do have somebody different, whether it's Taylor Soul or Cam Schwartz or even Marnell or, or mm -hmm. Riri, uh, Maria Gagdank in the middle. Uh, last game, Ali Van Timmeren finally showed what she can do yep. uh, with, with being able to score the ball. So I think when, as a team, you have that those kind of weapons, there's not really any major pressure put on one player. And right. now it comes very, becomes very important to be a great passer. I also think that's why you see our turnover rate is a little mm -hmm. high because sometimes we overpass. Or, you know, we, we are very unselfish. And, you know, I always say, hey, you've got to shoot before we turn the ball over. But that doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I see you guys doing a lot of backdoor cuts and some of those balls get knocked down. But it's they, they have really good ideas for each other. I want to go to the Camp Sports, though, because I think if, if, if people are kind of just have a passing interest in BC, they saw her get 39 points against Clemson and her, saw her get, you know, have big games after that. She is special, I think, 
in, in terms of what she does on the court. But I really am impressed with her when she goes to a press conference and she just kind of has that, I don't know, it's that great player confidence that you right. see from like players like Diana Taurasi. Like how, when did you know that she'd be special in this way? You know, in the recruiting process with Cam, because she was a transfer and mm-hmm. she left uh, midway through her freshman year, uh, where she was at before. And when I recruited her, I kind of, I fell in love with like her personality and, and her mom. And, you know, I just, they have, they're good people. She has a very big heart. And I use this line. I always think about it because it really was the way I felt. And I was, I almost couldn't believe I said it, but I said it anyways. I said, I said, Cam, I, I gotta be honest. I work really, really hard and I deserve this break. So I think you should choose BC because I deserve it. <laughs> and she looked at me and she was like, I, I was like, no, really. I said, because you're really good. And, and I think we deserve each other because you'll like playing for me. I will love to coach you. And it kind of just worked out that I don't know that that was the line that sold her by any means, but I was even shocked that I even said that because I never really say things like that. But it was one of those, it was mid-season. How often are you recruiting a kid like that mid-season mm-hmm. where they have to make a decision in the middle of the year we were getting, you know, we were playing in the middle of game. So I was probably a little bit worn out and tired. And, you know, I just kind of told her how it was. And she does, she has a big heart. She has this confidence, but again, she's also a player that when that confidence gets shook, she really does need to find, cause she's not um, an arrogant player mm-hmm. by any means. So she sometimes needs that confidence booster. And I think that's why she plays on a good team that kind of gives it to her because this team believes in her as well. Well, and I noticed that I was watching the Notre Dame game before we got on here, um, which is an awesome game. If you have not watched the Notre Dame BC game from earlier this month, go ahead and watch at least some highlights because it was really fun. But I saw at one point, it was right before you guys went on that huge run at the end of the third quarter. I think she she missed a shot and then came back and, and the defense and her assignment scored. And she kind of came to the sidelines a little slower than, than the other timeouts. What do you say to her or the team? Do you, do you have to say anything to her in that situation to get to get the team going? No, basically one of our big our big messages from our coaching staff is always next play. So even if it's a great play, you know, you don't really have time and ba- basketball moves so fast. Just move on mm-hmm. next play. So, you know, yes, feel good for a split second, next play. So in that case, I'm sure I was saying, hey, Cam, next play, like, let's go. There's there's a lot of game left. Like, we've got to bounce right back here and play next play. And I, and, you know, I think when her confidence is rolling, which it has been, we want to keep it there. Mm-hmm. She has no problem moving on next play. No, yeah, it, it's, it is evident. It's evident with her. Um, I want to move over to Taylor Soul, too, because I read about the Taylor Soul intervention uh, in the <laughs> Boston Globe piece by, uh, who, who was it? Greg, Greg Levinsky, I believe. Yeah. Um, tell me about that what tell me about the the intervention like what happened in that meeting that you had with taylor to tell her how good she can be and what has she meant for the program since then well i think you know we call her t-soul so i'm okay. just going to refer to her yeah, as no <laughs> she um she has one of those like charismatic amazing energy and mm-hmm. and personalities that just gra- people gravitate toward right like i we always call her like the mayor of boston college mm-hmm. She knows everybody, everybody loves her, professors love her because she always has that infectious smile. But I think when she was a freshman, that was like also maybe her kryptonite in the sense that it kept her from putting that extra time into the game and putting that extra in because there were so many people pulling at her. Hey, let's go Mm -hmm. do this. Hey, let's go study. Hey, let's do that. And she always had something going on. 
And so as a staff, we said, you know, this, this could be one of the greatest players we have the opportunity to coach. So how do we get her to realize that she needs to maybe hone in on her greatness on the court? And that's what we had that little TESOL intervention where we brought her in with the whole staff and everybody went down the line and pumped her up and told her basically how great she is and how, what, what we think she could become as a, as a Boston College basketball player. But then at the end, I kind of put that like wrench in that was like, hey, this could all, this is all talk though, unless you put in the work. So then they, no one is great in anything unless they are really willing to put in the time. And I think it just made her that light bulb click for her as well that she was like, you know what? I knew I was good, but I didn't realize I could be that good. And if you guys say it and I believe you and I believe in myself. And from there on out, she's always been that first one on the, in the court, uh, like for practice, staying after, and then also putting in the extra time in the summers, then she became extremely motivated. And, you know, that's what you need. If, if you're going to be great at this game, you've got to be able to put in the time and also listen to your body. And she does both. And now she has a chance to have a professional career. Um, I Absolutely. think she, I think she's a WNBA prospect for sure, but get, give me a scouting report, put on an analyst hat. Tell, tell me why as a team, they should be interested in Taylor soul. Um, not just because of her, you know, the intangibles, but also the tangibles. Yeah. So I think it's easy. I think that she is extremely hard to guard. Mm-hmm on the offensive end where back when we had that conversation with her, she was kind of easier to guard because you could back off of her. Now she's got that 18 foot. It's I think her 15 to 18 foot shot is basically yeah. like a layup. Uh, she has now gotten some counter moves when she drives to the basket. So she can finish with her left finish with her right and through a counter. She has stepped through. She has a, a little reverse spin. She rarely ever turns the ball over because mm-hmm. she gets her pivot feet messed up. She never walks, right? Mm-hmm. So she has all that going for her, and that's on the offensive end. On the defensive <laughs> end, she is literally the most high-strung, high-energy, only kid I know that can play 30 seconds of lockdown defense without tiring and then go grab the rebound, soar for a rebound, kick a great outlet, and sprint the floor at 100 miles an hour and get the, you know, mm-hmm. the payback on the other end. There's not a lot of players that are built with that kind of motor, that kind of energy, that kind of effort. And I know this because I've been doing this a long, long time. So regardless of all the tangibles about what kind of leader and character and all those that she has that are that that I would take on any team, Mm -hmm. she has that hard to guard to her on top of that speed and that way to cut corners and that lateral speed that I think make her just a gem and WNBA team should be literally their GMs and people should be going nuts over what she brings to the table because on top of all that, she has the best personality. Ever. Yeah. No. And the defense, I think she's fully, she's fully ready to be a defensive player in the WNBA. I think she can give you really, really strong defensive minutes. The only thing the on offense, I think some people would say that that 15 to 18 foot range where she shoots 50%, by the way, she does shoot 50% from the elbows, which is not common, but right. Have you ever, have you, have you thought about maybe saying, Hey, take a couple steps back. Um, has well, she, you know, she, hit a three, she hit a pretty big three in our last game. Okay. So she, she's wanting to step back. So she, in practice, we, we let her, but she doesn't need like, yeah, nobody can guard what she does right now. You know, in the respect of her being able to shoot the ball where she's comfortable. And if they take that away, she drives and kind of bullies them on the inside. And mm-hmm. I, now she's been working on a three all summer and even in this preseason, 
but like I told her, there's no reason for her to take those if she doesn't need them, like continue to do what, what makes you great. But I think if you're a WNBA coach, you look at her and say, how is she progressed from her freshman year? And when you look at that each year, how much better she's gotten each year, again, that's another no-brainer because when they get her and then that's actually her job, she doesn't have to worry about school. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have to worry about anything else. Think about how much more she's going to improve. And I do think a three-point shot is definitely going to be in her repertoire. Yeah, and you, and so that's interesting, though, because like, I know you're you're really big on development. BC, your coaching staff is very big on right. development and, and making these plays different. And obviously, Taylor Tiesel is a is a big um you know evidence of that but does it does your development ever you know conflict a little bit with what you're trying to do on the court like you're saying like you know hey maybe it's better for t soul for her future if she wants to be in the WNBA to take threes during the games but for our team it's better for her to shoot from the elbows how do you how do you like manage those conflicts of your development and what your team needs I think that's what again makes her so special for her I don't think it's a conflict like she right. knows this is where she's going to help us when we have multiple people on the team that can shoot the three. Mm-hmm. We don't have anybody that can take it inside and do a counter move and bully somebody like she does. So she kind of takes that role and runs with it. But knowing that she's going to continue to grow with her outside game, and she believes that we'll continue to develop that even in this upcoming, you know, postseason and mm-hmm. while she's preparing to go to the WNBA. And is it, and so we talked a lot about buy-in and stuff, and you obviously have a very senior-laden team. For all these points that, are, um, that I'm asking about, the buy-in, the, you know, sacrificing potentially uh, of what you think you may need to do, is it easy to get that from this senior group because they've been with you for so long? I think they're bought into each other and our coaching staff, and our coaching staff is bought into them. So maybe it is kind of easy because we all have grown up together in a certain respect, and then it makes it easier for the freshmen and the younger players because they see their relationships that they have with us. And it makes it like a a really fun atmosphere, you know, and is it competitive and is it a grind and do we get on them sometimes? Absolutely. But I think they know it always comes from a good place of, like you said, development or making us the best program we can be. So as long as you have players that always take the criticism or take the, the coaching feedback in a positive way, knowing that you're there to make them the best, not there to maybe make them feel bad like some players may perceive. I think that's more of an immature, younger player mentality. We're lucky to have pretty mature players on our team that that get it. So even on their bad day when we're on them, because that's when it gets tough, right? Yeah. When they're having a bad day and the coaches are getting on them and it's just nothing is rolling with, you know, going for them, going their way. I think that's when buy-in is super important. And buy-in is kind of a weird, weird way to say it because it's it's more just believe. Mm-hmm. Like they just got to believe in themselves and, and then believe in the program, believe in their choice to choose Boston College, why they're here, why did they choose this place? Like sometimes I'll bring that up. Like, ladies, why did you choose here? Because mm-hmm. you want to make this program into something great. Let's do it. You know, so continue to remind them why they're here and to continue to believe in themselves. And you have belief in yourself and you, you, everybody kind of sacrifices for one goal, man, big things can, can happen. And what would it mean with this group to get to the tournament? I mean, the BC hasn't oh, been to the tournament since 2006. Like this, this group really should have been there already. What would it mean to get there this year? It would mean so much. It, it would really, it, it kind of, you know, as 
any any parent will know what I'm saying when when their when their children work so so hard for something, mm-hmm. and then as a parent you get to see it pay off. You get to see them reap the the benefits and the rewards. Coaching is the exact same way. I, I, I'm sure teachers feel the exact same way, right? When mm-hmm. when they're you know teaching their students and all of a sudden the light bulb clicks and it works, and then they they grasp the knowledge. For us, I think we're finally grasping the whole concept of what we want to do. So for us to reap the benefits of actually winning games and getting into the national tournament, that's that's what we want. And, and it would mean a lot to all of us. And it would allow our players to even leave that bigger legacy, which is what they really want to do on Boston College, especially those seniors. And you brought up parenting. And I just wanted to ask, um, because you took you took years off from your career yeah. to, go, to go raise your kids when they were really young. And, you know, obviously now it's, it's all worked out for the best. Do you think that experience of taking the time off helped you as a coach now? Oh, yes, absolutely. I, I think for one, there's no burnout Mm -hmm. factor for me as a coach, because it is a hard job and it demands a lot of your time. And there's also no bitterness, meaning Mm -hmm. maybe if I had missed all of those moments with my children, but I really feel very fulfilled because I got to have my cake and eat it too, as far as getting to take some time off, raise them, be there uh, when I wanted to really, when they really needed me to be a part mm-hmm. of their lives. Now, I mean, they're 14 and 15 and <laughs> I have to literally force them to hang out with me. <laughs> and I do quite often force them to, but you know, they're, they're just so independent where back when they were one and two and three and four, you know, they really needed their mom in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I love that feeling. And, I wouldn't trade those years for the world. And I'm so glad that I have forward thinking athletic directors that gave me the opportunity and hired me to be a coach after taking that time off. Did you think your career was over? Cause I feel like most people would say, Hey, I've been out of the game so long. Like I'm not going to get another chance. So did you feel when you made that decision, like, you know, Hey, I'm cool. Not coaching again. To be honest. Absolutely. You yeah. know, people ask me that they say like, well, how did you think you were going to get back in? I said, if I thought about getting back in, I probably wouldn't have gotten <laughs> yeah. out. But I didn't even think about that at the time. I just kind of went with where my heart and everything was pulling me. And I'm a big uh, believer in like, go with your gut. Mm-hmm. And I kind of did that. And then when the opportunity came to get back in, it was that same one. I was, I knew by the excitement of the opportunity that I had, like I was so fired up about the opportunity. I knew that's what my gut was saying is go do it. And as long as my husband and, you know, my kids were on board and they were, it worked. No, it's a really gutsy decision. I applaud it because, I mean, I think le- leaving anything that you that you really love is extremely difficult. So, um, no, it's 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 really impressive that you're here now. And now we've gotten some warm fuzzies out of the way. I do want to bring up a concern that okay. I have for Coach Mac. Uh, so my one concern that I have for for this team is the transition defense. They've given up the fourth most transition possessions in the ACC, according to Synergy, thirteenth in ACC for points in possession in transition. Is that a product of your strategy? I know you guys love to offensive rebound. You like to pressure the ball up the court, or is it a concern that you have to fix? A little bit of both. Uh, We do have, it seems like every game, a slight miscommunication. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we have that the person that's supposed to get back, protect the basket. And sometimes they'll come out of the game and then, you know, in, in the heat of the moment, then that, that knowledge of, Hey, now you're the person that needs to get back sometimes miscommunication. And then we don't have that. And that definitely happens because of what you just said, we crash the offensive board so hard and even our guards crash the offensive board. So we really do have to designate like, Hey, you're not going to get the crash. 
in this lineup, you have to get back. And sometimes uh, as coaches like me in particular, I don't designate that next person. Okay. So I have to get much better at making sure I do that uh, because we've beaten it in their heads so much about crashing the offensive glass. And you do, if, you, if you're going to crash like that, you have to make sure that you have at least one person getting back there and, and, and protecting the basket. So it's worth it then for you. I mean, you guys are the best offensive rebounding team in the ACC. It's worth it to give up some more transition possessions in order to get the, the offensive boards. You're, you're talking to me. I, I always want like <laughs> everything. So no, I want to get better at to where we don't do that as much. Um, and, but I do take the blame as far as the communication to our team. And that's something that even the, even the last couple of games, and it's so funny, I, we say even before the game, but then man, in the heat of those games, it's still mm-hmm. sometimes w- with, a, with a different lineup, especially when someone gets in foul trouble and we have maybe a lineup that we haven't necessarily practiced a lot with. That's when you'll see that, you know, like how the hell did that person get that <laughs> wide open down there? And that's kind of how it happens. So what are the other things that you, you have to kind of preach on and make sure that you're, you know, you're bringing up in the games? For this team um, you know, in particular. For this team, it is basically, you know, right now we're into playing a lot of scout defense. Okay. So really trusting that because that's hard for younger players. Now older players are pretty good at it. But like we have two freshmen that are in the lineup and like that's um as soon as we're done, I'm gonna watch some film with Allie Van Timmeren and her mm-hmm. defense it, in the last game. There was like four different possessions. She forgot what the scout was and guarded somebody the you know, not the way we talked about basically. Mm-hmm. So you know, just going over those things and making those sure those younger players and the people that get into the game understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. Because I think the best advice I ever got was a coach is you, it doesn't matter what you know. Mm-hmm. you know. Your knowledge isn't even remotely important. It's what your players know and what the knowledge that your players have. And so for me, it's really important to be super transparent that they understand the way I think and, and why we give them the game plan that we give. And so I think that has to get better. I think that we have to still do a better job, like on our base baseline out of balance plays, we got to set way better screens. Mm-hmm. Like we, we're having that little bit of flyby screen action happening right now. We got to get a little bit like those little things are what, if we want to have an opportunity to beat a team like Georgia tech, we have to do all the little things, right. And, yeah. and there are no little things really in basketball. Yeah, and every, everything's a big thing for sure. Right. <laughs> and, and especially against Georgia Tech, which is the next thing I want to talk about. I mean, you're going on the road against the best defense in the country. Cool. Give me a little bit of uh, the things keeping you up at night with Georgia Tech. Wow, they're so long. Yeah, know. You know, they're just such a big yeah. team. I mean, you look at their lineup, they're like 5'9", 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". Like, everybody is big. And um, I fi- finally, I feel like I – Boston College, we have a much bigger team. Mm-hmm. I, I joke with the team all the time. I say, hey, we finally passed the airport test. Right? We have <laughs> we have bigger players, you know, on our team. But, you know, I think they they do a wonderful job uh, of, of course, their number one defensive team in the country. They 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 clog things up and they take away uh, a team's strengths. And so we have to be prepared for them to take away some of our strengths. And uh, but on the same note, we have to be able to make shots. And if we're gonna win this game I think it's going to come down to our confidence in in still pushing transition not turning the ball over in transition which we've been known to do a little bit and then hitting the open shots and being ready to shoot the open shots when we get them because when you are open against them you're not open for very long right I mean it's a you know they're so long they get out and they recover pretty fast but there are those openings so I hope we can take advantage of them 
And then defensively, you talk about a team that crashes the boards hard. Now this team <laughs> crashes the boards hard. So, you know, again, in the respect of controlling what we control, I'm never going to say we have to make shots because that's, it's hard to control that, mm -hmm. but we have to be shot ready, right? That's something mm -hmm. you can control. We have to set great screens. We have to run the floor and make sure we're talking on offense. Defensively, we have to make sure we're playing our scout defense and blocking out and then pursuing the basketball because they're pretty hard nosed. Yeah, and how do you keep, I mean, like, you don't have to reveal anything, obviously, because uh, this will be out before the Georgia Tech game. But I mean, Lorella Kubai is, I don't, I, okay. I, she's pretty much unstoppable on the offensive glass. Like, do you have to set, like, what are the tools you have to even keep her off the glass? Uh, I hope, hopefully, it's going to be a little bit of sheer willpower. Yeah. Right? Like, we, I mean, you got to block around and you got to take pride in it. So, I mean, because that's exactly what she does from her standpoint, is she takes pride in what she does. She goes hard. That's it's going to be. Uh, I, I'm really, I'm really excited for your bigs against her, and I'm, I'm excited for this game. Our, our bigs were, our bigs have to grow up fast in that game for sure. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's the, it's coming. The, the willpower is coming from one side. It's you coming. better bring it. <laughs> Winter is coming. <laughs> but feel free to tell your team that uh, our her hoop stats projections have them losing by seven points. So I will. I like yeah. that fire. That's yeah, good. yeah. That's good let it, let them know that uh, that's what they said. I I don't know if I'd bet on that, but. Hey, I like a little, I like lighting a little <laughs> fire. Uh, I do want to take it around the ACC though, because I find this conference fascinating. Um, and I know you have deep ties to this conference coaching in this conference when Maryland was rightfully right. in the ACC. Not going to get into that on this podcast, but you've been around this conference for a long time. What was your reaction to seeing that Louisville NC state game? Cause I don't think I've ever seen a game flip as fast flip. as that one. I think it's like, welcome to the ACC. Yeah. I mean, it really is like you talk about two great teams, NC State, Louisville. And, uh, you know, when I saw the halftime, because we were playing that day, so they were an hour later. Or their mm -hmm. game was, I think, on an hour later than ours or two hours later. So yeah. we were still around the building watching. And I was like, wow, they're, you know, Louisville's really taking it to NC State. This, this is crazy. And, you know, but I think everybody knows NC State that they shoot the ball so well that – I don't care what the lead is. Well, and we had it happen to us clearly mm -hmm. uh, last year. There's no lead really too great that they can't maybe pick apart. And I thought that they kind of just did that. They started playing NC State basketball and then it kind of put Louisville on the defensive end a little bit. And, and then it took them out of what their game plan are playing like Louisville normally plays. And at the end of the day, I think that also that crowd that NC State gets and how hyped up and how loud they are and that, I think that they really are, they have a sixth man. And I think that's one of the greatest things I've seen this year is the crowds that people have gotten in and the way that uh, the support for women's basketball has, is really starting to grow. I think that's big time. And NC State has it, Louisville has it, both extremely hard places to play on the road. Yeah, no, and I think I tweeted this the other day, like every ACC game is like one of those Rorschach ink block test sort of things. Like every conclusion is valid because I don't, Obviously, Louisville's a great team. Obviously, NC State's a great team. Like, obviously, Notre Dame's an awesome team. Obviously, BC's an awesome team. I don't, I just don't know how to, what to make of everything. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, how much do the opposing, is it opposing styles that make this conference like that? Or is it just so much talent in this conference? I think there's a ton of talent. I think the coaching, the coaching is really dynamic. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I think you have, I mean, I don't, I think I'm surrounded by in this, in this conference, that brilliant coaches, brilliant minds for basketball. But then on top of that, 
you have so many different styles where I think you look at other conferences sometimes and, and you can say like, oh, well, they're going to pound it inside and they're going to play a lot of zone this, that. In our conference, you have teams that are ridiculously great at man, teams that are ridiculously great at zone. You have teams that have really big kids inside, but then you have other teams that have super athletic, you know, skinny kids that are going to run. And there's just, the style is very diverse in, from team to team. And I think that that makes it pretty exciting. What advice do you have for analysts or fans watching the game to watch it more analytically or more like a coach? Like what things should you key in on when you're just starting to watch the game like that? I think sometimes, and I don't know how easy it is for analysts to do, because sometimes it's hard for younger coaches to do it, but to figure out um, maybe the, the, the players on the other um, on the teams what their tendencies are and maybe what their individual stats are and then you can more so understand why the opposing teams are playing the way they are against each other because you know sometimes I'll hear people say like well they're not guarding her da, 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 or you know and, and there's usually a, a method to the madness that we have because especially at Boston College right now I still think I always say I, I can't wait for that day when I can be like uh, John Wooden and be like oh let's just roll the balls out and play because we're so superior. You know, I don't know that we're ever, and I think in the ACC, I don't think any ACC team has that luxury uh, across the board. I don't think anybody has that anymore. Right. No. I think sometimes we would be jealous of maybe Connecticut back in the day because it felt like they had that, but we really have to have a game plan going into each game and, and try to stick to it and try to have. So I think analytically knowing maybe that could be something that you could be smart and talk about because you could say, Oh, well, so-and-so they're backing off of her because she's only shooting this from the three-point line. And that's why, and I think that sometimes helps. And then, you know, I also, for us knowing, like, I know back in the day, sometimes you'd be like, Oh, that's a quick shot for Cam Swartz. What they should be <laughs> mad at like her for shooting that quick. I, I wouldn't think anybody would say that now. Well, she hasn't changed. She's yeah. just now hitting more of those, but I got to see her make all those in practice all the time in the first place. So generally players are playing the way they're allowed to play and it's built into the system. Not all oh, look at them going rogue. I, I feel like I hear that sometimes too. And I'm like, well, no, that's, that's what we want, you know? And, and then another thing that I've done when I was younger, now I never do. When you have like a last minute, when you're trying to control the game and you call a timeout and say you advance and you draw something up and they don't run it. Mm -hmm. And everybody always says, I can't believe the coach drew that up. Generally, the coach didn't draw that up. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it works, does the coach draw it up? Should we give it to the 100% coach? 100% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> just, sometimes I'll look at the – they even know because that's always one of the big lines. I'm like, way to make me look smart because they're <laughs> on something that I totally did not uh, put in the game plan, but it works. And then I always have the, uh, the people that sometimes will shoot a three that they know isn't what maybe they should have been doing, mm -hmm. and they always know if it goes in, it's fine. Right. So that's always my rule. If you make it. But if you miss it, you're probably going to come out of the game, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Oh, well, that's funny. Uh, yeah, you always got you always got to take the credit. Obviously, yeah, always, right? Yes. <laughs> um, and my last question, because our Zoom timer is running out, I need to upgrade my Zoom. Um, is it more challenging to take a program from you know step one to step two? So I'm talking about you know taking taking this program from you know the the step from being under 500 to over 500 than from taking them from good to great. So from over 500 to top of the conference. 
I think going from good to great is the hardest. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, it, it's, and that's because it takes so, it takes everybody. When you're great is really hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, if it was, I mean, the whole adage, if it was easy, everybody would be great, yeah. right? A lot of people are good. You know, good is, you, is doable, right? I always think like from sheer just work ethic, you can be good, but great takes everything. It takes all your mental faculties, your physical faculties, and then luck. Now, luck also plays into being great. And, you know, I always say, and that's why I always preach to my players, you know, luck and, and those things happen to hard workers that treat people good. Mm -hmm. And those are two things you'll never regret in your life. So if we're like that, karma will generally be on our side. And you do need some karma on your side when it comes to sports. Uh, you got to, and how you get it on your side is, is you work your, you work as hard as you possibly can and you treat people uh, just like the way you would want to be treated. You treat people good. You have a good heart. Oh, I love that saying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that. <laughs> I'm going to start using the coach. Well, uh, coach Mac, that is all the questions I got. Um, is there anything else that you want to, to come on and, and mention before we, uh, no, uh, I just love, uh, the way you guys put uh, out those unique stats and, and really, your support of the women's game has been amazing. So please keep it up. And that's for us, you know, I have that have been in this game for so long to have her hoop stats, just step up with everything that you guys do is super appreciated. So thank you. Oh, thanks coach. I mean, I'm, I'm not the stats side of things. I'm a former lawyer. But they're so really good at it. It's pretty amazing. They're really good at it. Yes. They're really, really good at it. Um, and we have a bunch and of, thank people. you for having me on the show. I, that, I was, uh, I was pretty pumped up. Oh, awesome. I'm, I'm just pumped up to have you on the show. This is my first coach interview. So I hope I wasn't like too nervous. Um, no, you were great. I hope I wasn't too. I, and I hope my voice isn't too worse <laughs> to be understood. I definitely don't have ever a career in broadcasting with this, with these vocal cords. Well, you have coach voice though. It's hard to tell right. when you're, when you're coaching, because I feel voice, like every, yes. every coach I've ever talked to is worse because that's that makes you feel better. Good. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the nature of the business. All right. So coach Mac, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we're Thank looking for forward to the rest of the season and Good luck against Georgia Tech and the rest of the ACC. I know it's not going to be easy. No, thank you. I appreciate it. we got a tall order in front of us. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.